from Psalm, Psalm 45, chapter 16, verse. Instead of thy children, instead of thy father shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever. Um, in considering these words, the first thing that demands attention is to discover if we can the speaker and um, the person to whom these words were spoken. Who is it that says, I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. And to whom were the words addressed? <clears throat> and before we come to a um, separate conclusion regarding these um, primary matters, we cannot even begin to discuss the meaning of the words. <laughs> and uh, we might say just in passing that there have been many uh, speculations as to the occasion on which this psalm was written. But leaving all these aside and uh, Looking at the psalm in the light of the other um, parts of scripture, uh, we are confronted uh, with um, this interesting consideration that there are words in the psalm which are directly applied to Christ in another part of scripture. For instance, at the sixth verse, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest, and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. We know that in the epistle to the Hebrews, in the first chapter, 
These words are used to prove the um, deity, the superiority, therefore, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the superiority to all created beings. And it is said of him directly in relation to the angels. He has not said this to any of the angels. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Hence, in the sixth and seventh verses, we are uh, assured by an inspired commentator that the words were used by the Father to the Son. And we take it that the last verses of the Son are to be taken in exactly the same way. When it is said, I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations, we take it that it is still the Father who is the speaker, and that the words are spoken to the Son. This is one of the promises that he received as the head of the church. This is one of the promises he received when his soul was made an offering for sin, or rather, one of the promises received which were to be fulfilled when his soul was to be made an offering for sin. And he was to see of the travail of his soul and was to be satisfied. It is the Father, in the, according to the terms of the covenant of redemption, who says this to the Son, I will make thy name will be remembered in all the generations. And it is, it is directly connected with and inseparable from what we read in Paul's epistle to the Philippians, where it is said that therefore the Father for God hath highly exalted him, and hath given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He has a name that is above every name, 
and that because though he was equal with God he thought it not of robbery to be equal with God he was in fact equal but he did not grasp as the idea in the original words is he did not grasp at this prize but instead he made himself of no reputation or he emptied himself of this reputation he emptied himself and was found in fashion as a man and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and was obedient unto death even the cursed death of the cross therefore God hath highly exalted him now we take the words of our text against that background I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever and we may mention first of all the propriety of this it is proper that the name of Jesus should be remembered nothing can be more proper than that it is according to the proprieties of heaven something that is in the very fore, in the very foreground of what should be remembered it is proper why because he is worthy of being remembered and it is significant that again and again we have promises to this effect and exhortations calculated to bring this effect it to be why did Jesus say to his disciples the night before he was betrayed the night in which he was betrayed do this in remembrance of me why has the father promised again and again that the name of Christ will be remembered why these promises why is it that one of the sacraments one of the ordinances of the New Testament has directly to do with this the remembrance of Christ's name why should that be so? 
there must be a reason for it. There is nothing without a reason. And certainly there is nothing in the economy of God without a very good reason. Surely one of the reasons at least is this, that were it not for this, were it not for the Father's promise that his son's name will be remembered, we say were it not for that, his name would be forgotten. Yea, it is due to divine providence in a special manner that his name has not been forgotten long ago. When you consider from the human side the obscurity in which the man Christ Jesus was born, the limitation the boundaries of the territory which he, which he personally traveled, these were very restricted indeed. He was born and was crucified as a manufacturer in one of the most obscure parts of the Roman Empire. Yet, there is no name that can be compared with his name. There is no name that has attached to it what his name has attached to it. And this cannot, of course, be explained by natural causes. Yea, it is the very antithesis of natural causes. It goes right in the teeth of what one might expe expect and what one would have a right to expect according to natural causes. How is it then that his name is not forgotten? This is the reason it is proper that it should be remembered, but it is destined by the decree of the Almighty that it will be remembered. Now there is no other name that stands anywhere near this. Every other name may be forgotten. Every other name may sometimes crumble into the dust and be known no more. But this name cannot be forgotten. It does not matter what princes and rulers may join themselves to obliterate this name from the earth. That has happened again and again and again. 
the world's power has often been employed to obliterate this name from the face of the earth. But it reminds us um, at every turn of what Gamaliel said to um, his um, fellows on the, the Sanhedrin. He said to them, take heed that ye be not found fighting against God. And every effort that is put forth, every device that is planned to do away with the name of Jesus is a plan and a device against God. It is a fighting against God because he has given the promise that he will make his name to be remembered to all generations. But it is not so much from the opposition from the outside. But think of the tendency in the human heart. The tendency even in the heart of those who have a special reason to remember this name. The tendency in their heart is to forget. It is one of the proofs of the deceitfulness of sin that again and again we are confronted with this experience. Souls that have vowed in themselves that they would not and could not forget his name. Souls who like Peter formed the resolution that all men should deny thee, yet will I not deny thee. And these resolutions made in all sincerity. But alas, alas, many of those who have made and who were in the spirit of such resolutions and have to confess that if the natural tendency of their heart was allowed to have its own way, they would forget. He would be just a memory, albeit a pleasant memory. Nevertheless, nothing more tangible, nothing more influential than a memory. And is this not the meaning of the revival of the church and of the individual soul? What happens when the Lord visits his own? When he remembers them when they are weary? When he causes them to be revived. What happens? His name is being remembered. 
There is nothing in the Christian experience worth having which is not connected with this very promise that the name of Jesus is being remembered in the soul. And why is it that it is remembered? That it was on the point, we must say, of being forgotten. Why is it? God has promised, I will cause thy name to be remembered. And here it is obvious we have to find not only the perpetuity of the church in this world, but also the perseverance of the saints. It is in this promise. I will make thy name to be remembered. Now you will notice that this is what we call one of the promises of the covenant. One of the immediate promises, a promise given by the Father, not to the church, but to Christ himself. Of course it has its fulfillment in the church, but the promise is given to Christ himself. Now we take it that this is the grand dungeon of the foundation of God's gracious revelation in this world. God gives promises to his people. That is true. But concerning these promises, they may be often shaken in their minds, as the apostle reminds us in another place. But concerning the promises given by the Father to the Son, there is no home left. For any contingency, any miscarrying, anything in fact short of complete, full, and final fulfillment. I will do it. Now what is it that is called into requisition? of the performing of this, the fulfillment of this promise. Nothing whatsoever on the part of the creature. God pledges himself, his omnipotence, his omniscience, his omnipresence, gave all that he is in himself, is engaged eternally of the fulfillment of this promise and of all promises like it. The promise to Christ was not without condition. Christ did not receive any unconditional promises. They were all conditioned by his obedience unto death. Christ was given promises on the grounds 
that he would perform, accomplish and complete a certain work. That is precisely what we have there in that chapter of uh, the epistle to the Philippians which we read. He was obedient unto death, even the cursed death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted. But the conditions are all fulfilled, gloriously fulfilled. And this is the meaning, or one of the meanings, of the resurrection of Jesus. It means that Christ has fulfilled all that he has undertaken to accomplish. And this is the seal of the Father upon his work, that he is given a glorious resurrection from the dead. As we have it in the epistle to the Romans, he is declared to be the Son of God with power. He is declared to be by his resurrection from the dead. This is the divine seal of the Father that the Son had accomplished all that was required of him, all that he had undertaken to do, so that the conditions of the promises given to him are fully and eternally Fulfilled. Hence, there is absolutely no possibility of a failure or of the shadow of a failure in or concerning any of these promises. Now, this we say is the sure, unshakable foundation that the gospel of grace before us. Here this is the very meaning of this as it bears upon us. That the work is finished. The accomplishment of this great and glorious work. The accomplishment has been accredited and sealed by the highest authority the authority of God Father. So in this connection, and for this reason he says, I will make thy name to be remembered. Now, there are so many aspects to this. So many approaches to the question uh, that we have just to, that we have to make a selection and a very very limited selection at that. What is implied in this? It is implied as we have said that he is worthy of being remembered. 
that he is destined to be remembered. But in relation to men, what is meant by the remembrance of the name of Christ? What is implied in this? In other words, when men do remember the name of Christ, what do they do? Uh, what's the meaning of it? When Christ says to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. What does he ask them to do? To remember himself. To remember his name. And we make no distinction between his name and himself. When it is said that his name will be remembered, it is, ex it is meant exactly the same, it is meant there exactly the same as it is meant that his name will be remembered, or that he himself will be remembered. <coughs> well, obviously, he is remembered aright. The remembrance of him is according to truth. Those who remember Christ remember him according to truth. That is to say, he is remembered, he is recognized, he is acknowledged for what he is. And what is he? A savior. Christ is remembered aright, and in remembered according to the spirit of this text, when he is remembered as a Savior. And what is he as a Savior? He is God and man. And he is not remembered aright as a Savior, but as he is remembered as God and man in two distinct natures but one person forever he is one savior he is one Christ but he is both God and man he is remembered thus he is remembered not only for what he is, as God and man, and as Savior, but remembered for what he has done. The whole world couldn't contain all the books that could be written on what he has done, but it is summarized in this. He made peace by the blood of the cross. He gave himself. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. No one is remembered aright. He is remembered as the God-man, the Savior, 
the one who laid down his life that life might be given to the dead he is remembered in this way but intimately connected with that way he is remembered according to the scripture account of it it is the Christ of God the Christ of the scriptures of whom this is said I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations consider then the futility of man's effort to blot out this name notice that according to what we have said the blotting out of the name could be done if the scriptures were discredited because it is the Christ of the scripture the Christ of God who is to be remembered and we have no other account of him but in the scripture though when men set up themselves in groups in committees to discredit the word of God that is but one attempt to blot out the name of Christ from the earth think of the arrogance and the, the futility of what men address themselves to of course this is nothing this is nothing new one time it was a crime punishable by burning to have the word of God in one's possession. Yet at one time it was a crime punishable by death to name the name of Christ at all. But the name has survived all these attempts to blot it out. But in our days the efforts put forward in this direction are more subtle and they come to us under the name of authority and men who are supposed to be competent to deal with these things they set up committees and um, they join themselves together they issue statements and they tell us all sorts of things that are calculated to blot this name from under the heavens. Oh, my friends, what a daring, what a foolish thing to do. What a foolish thing to do. That men hiding behind certain, certain learning, certain degrees should dare to pronounce on what the God of heaven and earth has said and that which he guarantees unconditionally 
and to all eternity. I will make thy name to be remembered. And he doesn't consult anyone. He treats with content. Man's efforts to the contrary. He that sits in heaven shall laugh. And notice it is in this very connection that these words appear. Kings of the earth set themselves, princes have combined to plot against the Lord and his anointed singers. Let us cast those bombs from us. Oh, those bombs. Yes. These ideas that have held men so long in, in relation to the word of God, we are free, we are autonomous. We live by our own will, we are under no authority. Let us break all these bonds, let us be free. Free to form our own ideas of everything in heaven and everything on earth. We'll be free. We are not bound by any creeds or ideas of bygone ages. We form our own opinions. So we do. He that in heaven sits shall laugh. The Lord shall scorn them all. He laughs. He who said, I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Remembered as a Savior. Remembered as the anointed of the Father. Remembered as the all-sufficient the all-competent Redeemer who is given unto us in the word of truth. Christ's presence is in the gospel history and it is in the gospel history of course presented and made effectual by the Holy Spirit let us remember anything that hampers with the scriptures, anything that seeks to discredit the word of God is something that seeks in its very nature to obliterate the name of Christ, to blot it up from under heaven. I, this grand I, stands as an, as a, an insurmountable obstacle to all these efforts. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. And what a glorious promise this is especially appearing so in a day 
of small things, a day of darkness and perplexity, a day when it would seem that the enemy is coming in like a flood, bearing all before him. This stands unchanging and unchangeable. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Let us pray. Bless us according to the riches of thy grace. Bless us in Christ Jesus. Bless us by giving us to remember him. To remember him as he set forth in the gospel and revealed by the Spirit. To remember him as the Son of God, the Saint of the Father, the propitiation for sin, the mediator between God and men. Oh, may we have the fulfillment of this promise in ourselves, fulfilled to us by thy Son, that his name will be remembered, honored, and glorified in us and by us. Take away all our sins and accept of us gracious. For the Redeemer's sake, Amen.